Good morning, good morning, happy Father's Day. And to all of you who are watching online on our online campus, we love you. You're just as much a part of this family as all of us are in here. And I wanna just encourage you, Pastor Kelly is your online host today, all day, both services. If you would just encourage her by maybe putting in online what city you are watching from, whether it's Oldsmar or Seattle, put that in for her. We love you, we appreciate you. And I know we've been talking about Father's Day. All of you who are here that are dads, we have a gift for you. Uh, when you leave, you'll see in those black tables, if you didn't already pick one up, we have a little pocket knife for you that has countryside on it. Uh, just a little memento of our appreciation for dads. And speaking of appreciating dads, I think we should appreciate someone who's a spiritual father to many, maybe most of us in this room, I know to me, and that is our spiritual father, Pastor Glenn Davis. Can we just <laughs> honor him? We love you, Pastor Glenn, we love you. So this is, this is a rough day for a, a lot of you because you have to put up with all day long dad jokes and be nice to him anyway, right? I, I'm, I'm so sorry, we can pray for you. Um, if you text Countryside to 97,000, someone will call you and pray for you for having to undergo this torture. Um, but I know that you're thinking, well at least we get to hear a message now from Pastor Tim. We get a break from the dad jokes. Well, I'm a dad. So, okay, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you a couple of these dad jokes and I'm gonna turn it into Bible trivia, okay? So, <clears throat> first question, who was the worst lawbreaker in the Bible? Moses, because he broke all 10 commandments at once. You know, it's, remember the movie, just tablets. Okay, okay, moving forward a little bit to Samson. Remember Samson? Judge, strong guy, Samson. Okay, how come Samson never argued with Delilah? Because he didn't want to split hairs. Because, you know, this is hair, and she cut his hair. Anyway, so, yeah, Samson again. What common everyday physical ailment, it's no big deal, modern times, actually ended up killing Samson in the Bible. Fallen arches. That was painful, wasn't it? But comedy, comedy is actually in the scriptures. It's biblical, we know that from Samson because he brought the house down. Um, you remember the house fell on. So anyway, read that story, it's in the book of Judges, it's good. All right, last one. Very last one. This is for you ladies. How many of you ladies in here really like the book of Ruth? This is not the joke. You can answer honestly if you like the book of Ruth. Yes, amen, Ruth. It's great. So for those of you who like the book of Ruth, what kind of man was Boaz before he met Ruth? He was ruthless. Okay, I kind of have it out of my system now. So, yeah, one person is clapping there. So thank you very much. The rest of you will recover as this message goes on. So dads aren't perfect. You know, we tell these, these jokes. We, none of us are perfect. I know I certainly am not perfect. But 
God, he is. The reality is no matter how amazing your dad might have been, nobody's completely perfect. Some of us are very far from it, like myself. Some of you, as Pastor Glenn mentioned earlier in his wonderful encouragement, the thought of your father brings up some difficult memories. And sometimes that can alter our perception of who God is in a negative way because God in the scriptures, he invites us to see him as a father, as our father, a perfect father, but a father. So if your relationship with your dad was troubled, there's this danger of attributing the faults of your earthly dad to God. But God knows this, but he persists in communicating that he is our father. That's who he is to us. But he's perfect. He's the right kind of father. He's the father we can trust. About 500 years before Jesus, Israel was going through this difficulty of seeing the father as perfect and trustworthy, I think, because they were in a, in a very difficult situation. They had lost the promised land and were exiled and taken out of the promised land and were living as a people in, of all places, Babylon, right? And they were in Babylon for some 70 years. The prophets explained why this had happened because Israel had been breaking all the commands. They were worshiping other gods. They were failing to be just. They were failing to be merciful. So it's like off to Babylon you go, right? But in this time of exile and hardship, which was temporary, Israel really repented. They turned humbly back to the Father. And at some point in this period, someone unrolled a scroll that was written by the prophet Isaiah about 100 years before this. And in that scroll was a promise that they would return to the promised land, that the Father would raise up a suffering servant to bear their sins, that he would redeem them, he would bless all nations through them, that they would go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the reason I mention that is in the midst of this prophetic promise to Israel, God speaks to them as a father would speak to his children. And then he tells them that he's gonna do certain things. And I want you to Maybe turn on your Bible or read it on the screen with me in Isaiah chapter 43. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The Father tells us that he does these things. And the three things I want to point out is that he calls, he creates, and he forms. So from God's own words here in Isaiah 43, I think we can learn what sort of father he is so that's what we're gonna explore for a few minutes this morning. Let's just go before him in prayer. If you have your Bible, you can lift it up. Father, I thank you that you love us as a father, a good father. I pray, Father, that you would anoint our hearts to receive your words 
and that you'd lead us and guide us into understanding better who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I think let's start here, that we best understand who the Father is by remembering what the Father does, what he does. It's expressive of who he is. And the first thing that we're gonna focus on from Isaiah 43 is that the Father calls, the Father calls. This is in your notes if you're tracking that online. Isaiah chapter 43, starting at the second part of verse six, says, bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name. Now, as we just said, he's primarily speaking here to Israel, about 500 BC. He's reaffirming the promises that he made through Abraham. And this is promise he made through Abraham a thousand years before that. Promise that they would have land, right? The promised land. Descendants, that was fulfilled. There's lots of descendants. And blessing. And that last part, blessing, is how we know these verses also apply to us. Because God said to Abraham in Genesis 18, 18, through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through Abraham's descendant and God's son Jesus, we are called by his name. Let's take a look at that word called, called. The Hebrew for that word is kara, kara. And it means that called out for a reason and it also means named for an identity. So to be called out, you ever been called out for something, right? But have you ever been called something? That word can be used in both sense. So it's like, hey, I'm choosing you, I'm calling you out to be a part of my team that's calling out, or maybe I'm calling you on the phone, but if I'm calling you a nice person, that's giving you an identity. And this word can mean both of those things. It's not a wrong number. Have you ever gotten a phone call that you were hoping was something good and it was a wrong number? About 20, 21 years ago, I was at work, and I get this call, and I pick up, and this deepest voice I've ever heard in my life is, hey, is uh, Maria there? I'm like, no, there's, I, I think you must have the wrong number, sir. Oh, oh, I see. Well, I'm just here driving through the city with Goldine. Got the top down. It's a beautiful day. I'm like, it's the wrong number. He's telling, why is he telling me this? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's very nice, sir. Maybe I'll have to go check out outside, too. Oh, where you live? Florida? Oh, it's nice there, too. Well, thank you. Well, you have a good day. Yeah, you, you too, sir. God bless you. And I hang up the phone. I'm like, you know, that voice, it just sounded a lot like Barry White. <laughs> Those of you who don't know who Barry White is, you Google it, right? It's his singer back. And I'm like, deepest voice I've ever heard. Barry, what do you say, Goldine? Let me look that up. Barry White's wife's, wife's name was Goldine. So I'm like, Barry White called me unintentionally. It was a wrong number. I can't prove it, but I'm sure that that's what happened, right? But God doesn't do it that way. When he calls us, it's very intentional. He's not like, oh, accidentally I got you. He meant to call you. How many of you ever have gotten that call and you pick up the phone and you hear, what? You know when somebody calls you, what do they call that? Pocket dial, yes, yes. Somebody said a different word. What was <laughs> so God doesn't do that either. He doesn't butt dial us. 
When he's calling us, it's very, very intentional. So now in Hebrew, of course, they didn't call anybody on the phone. It refers to either a voice calling you or come calling, like you would go to somebody's door. And I think this is what Jesus is referring to when he's expressing the Father's heart and says that he stands at the door. Do you know why he comes calling? Stands at the door of your heart and wants to come and dine with you and you with him? Because he knows you're tired. He knows you're tired of running. He knows you're tired of doing everything your way and on your own. So he stands at the door because he wants to bring you home, bring you to family. He's chosen you. Pastor Glenn, last week, he talked about Peter. And there's Peter, he's a rough fisherman, right? He's rough, like uses bad language. He's a rough dude. The Father chose him. Through Jesus, the Father wasn't just knocking on Peter's heart, he was like chasing him down. Peter, I want you. I think John writes about this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is didn't know him. So children of God, isn't everyone a child of God? Actually, not everyone is a child of God. Everyone, everyone is a beautiful creation of God, an immortal soul intended for good, but in this world corrupted by the spiritual rebellion that we humans live in. But Jesus died and rose again to redeem us from death, to pay the debt, clear the way for us to be Jesus' brothers and sisters and children of God. Jesus did that for us. That's the gospel. The word gospel is just a fancy word for good news. So to anyone who opens the door of their heart to Jesus when he calls, you go from God's creation to God's child. Now speaking of creation, I wanna unpack the next part of this verse and see what the Father intends to do in us through this. Because not only does he call, part two of this, it's in your notes, the Father creates for a purpose. The Father creates for a purpose. Isaiah 43 and verse seven says, whom I created for my glory. So, okay, so remember, we're learning about things that our Heavenly Father is by seeing what he does in us. So he calls, but here we see also that he's created. Is this referring to the original act of creation, creating you as a human? Well, there's more to it than that. The word created here in the Hebrew, it's an interesting word, it's bara, bara, and it means chosen and fashioned into something new, as one would carve wood, as one would carve wood. The original sense of the word is to fill. So it, it, does it mean you know, creating out of nothing? It can mean that, but primarily it means taking raw material and fashioning it into something that reflects God's glory. Has that ever happened to you in your life? God's fashioned something, carved something into you, and it's glorified God. A couple of years ago, my daughter Gwendolyn was chosen, she was called, right? She was Kara, she was chosen out to be on the spelling bee for the school. 
So there was going to be this big spelling bee with all these different private schools around the area. She goes here to Countryside Christian Academy, amazing school, and she was one of two people in her grade called out. She says, you're going to be in the spelling bee. But then she had to be bara. She had to be fashioned. So her teacher, Steve Abernathy, fourth grade teacher, he, he just gave her all kinds of drills and lessons, and he was working with her, sending her home with stuff, so she would drill and practice at home with us, mostly mom, but me too a little bit. And, and so she just, for over a month, she's doing all these drills, learning, spelling all these words. She was a pretty good speller, but she's just practicing her heart out. I was so proud of her. She's being fashioned. Well, the day of the, of the um, spelling bee came, and all these kids start coming from these fancy private schools all over the place, some of them Christian schools, and, and I'm like, some of these kids look like all they do is spell. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm like, Gwendolyn, I'm, you should just be so proud that you were picked uh, to do this. Don't worry about, you know, if you get any of it right or, you know. She won. She won the contest. So, so you got first place. But you see, it wasn't just to her glory. She was created, she was bara for the glory of her school. The school was like, wow, the school's got good students. For her teacher, Mr. Abernathy, for her mom, maybe a little bit for me. But you see, and that's why God is fashioning us. It's not just so we look good, right? It's for his glory. It's a wonderful and beautiful purpose and, that he has for us. So, Think of a stick that's carved into a sturdy staff to help a hiker travel through the mountains, right? The old is gone. It's been created anew. Or a log that's carved into a canoe to go on a journey 100 miles downriver. The old is gone. It's been created anew. Bara, created, the Hebrew word. It's not just about being made or being made better. It's about something old being utterly transformed into something new. And this is what Paul is referring to. Paul is the expert in Hebrew and in the Old Testament. When he writes in the Second Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter five, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And so this, see, this is what the Father does in us when we're in Christ. Father, he takes us just as we are. He knows, look, he knows, right? He knows. He knows what we're doing and thinking and the ways that we just kind of want. He knows. He takes us as we are, all gnarled and thorny. And then he begins to shape us and carve us, you know, ow, carve us sometimes through circumstances. But then as we worship him, as we read his word, as we pray, as we fellowship with other believers, He's using all of this to teach us the past is dead and gone. My child, I am making all things new. So I want you to see here, track this with me. It's not just better, it's new. The Christ life, it's not some handy self-improvement scheme, it isn't. The Christ life is not about making decent people better, it has nothing to do with that. The Christ life is about making the dead alive. He makes all things new. This, this was Peter, right? He was being carved. He was being 
formed and fashioned. He was being carved. He watched those miracles of Jesus. Remember the fish in the net? And his, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Peter watched this little girl get raised from the dead. He listened to Jesus' teachings like love your enemies. And oh, It's hard stuff to understand, but Jesus is carving him and fashioning him. But then... You know, that one day he's crossing the lake, and Jesus said, I'll meet you on the other side. He's crossing the lake with the other disciples. There's this giant storm. Jesus is not in the boat. They're freaking out. And then they see somebody walking on the waves. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus is like, no, it's not, I'm not a ghost. Don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter says, if it's you, you ask me to go to you, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to you. Peter speaks before he thinks sometimes. And Jesus is like, all right, come on. And it says that Peter gets out of the boat and he starts to walk on the water. Let's just stop here for a second. We focus on other things, but he was walking on the water. Peter, Peter, towards Jesus. And then he got his eyes off him and started to sink, right? But, but Jesus didn't let him sink. Jesus grabbed him and rescued him. He says, Peter, don't you trust me, man? Don't you trust me? So this was a beginning. This was a foretaste of some walking on water, some wave dancing that was ahead for Peter. The question arises, why should the Father go through all this trouble for us? I mean, obviously he loves us, but why? what's the purpose in all this crafting he calls us, he refashions us to his glory, but for what specifically? And I think we can get some insight from the next part of the verse in Isaiah. He call, the Father calls, the Father creates for his glory, but the Father forms, he forms. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 43, whom I formed and made. And this isn't, just this, this isn't the exact same thing as create. So he chose us, he's creating us anew to reflect his fame, but now Isaiah is using a word that's different. This word formed has, has implications of utility, of being useful. In the Hebrew it's the word yatsar, and it means to be squeezed or molded into shape, just like clay would be squeezed or molded into a figurine. It's used a lot when it's talking about a potter and the potter wheel, that what he does to the clay. So what does he do? He squeezes it, he molds it, he shapes it into something useful, maybe something beautiful, a masterpiece. So he has this purpose for you. He has a purpose. He's called you out, he's made you alive and new to his glory, but his love is such that he has these plans and he's shaping you for the plans. His love is such that it's a shaping love. So I wanna, I wanna make a distinction between the kind of love that some people think about when they think of God's love and the love of a father, right? And a lot of people when they say God is love, or if God was really, if he was really love, then he would make sure that this, 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 this happened in my life, I would never have any pain and everything would always go great and I would always get what I want. But that's not a father's love. That's kind of like the great, great granduncles Love, the guy who's slightly senile, and he, you know, he has you over, he's like, hey, do whatever you want, as long as the young people are happy. <laughs> you can crash here, you can do it all, you have your friends, sure. You know, 
He just wants peace and everyone to be smiling. But the Father, his love is such that he cares about who we're becoming. Not, not so much who we are now. I mean, you know, he loves us. But he cares about who we're becoming. And so, because of that, the Father is prepared and he's planned good works for you. Prepared these good works in advance for you. So you have to be ready for them. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, right? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is what he does. He arranges things in our lives so that we have to, you know, grow. Had an example of this a couple weeks ago with my kids. So I have a dear, dear friend a couple weeks ago, he was moving. And I just thought it'd be great to help out a little bit with the move. So I got my kids and said, kids, we're gonna, we're gonna help my dear, dear friend move. And they got a good attitude. They didn't complain or anything. But you know, right, a teenager and a 12-year-old, they kind of have other things to do in the summer, you know, that don't involve moving stuff. But they did. They came. And it was great. It was hot. But it was so much fun because you're doing something with people that you love, Right? And on the way home, they're like, you know, that, 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 was, that was really good. It was good for them to do that. But then my friend calls me and he says, listen, I want to give each of your kids $25 for helping. I'm like, well, but no, that's not why we did it. That's, he's like, no, no, trust me on this. It'll be good for them to see that. I'm like, okay. So they each got $25 for helping and they weren't expecting it. And they were like, oh. And Destin, who you saw up there, not laughing at my jokes. Um, Destin was like, Dad, I think I want to do a double tithe on this, so 20% and give to the church. So you see this sequence of events? Some good work prepared in advance for him to do created a heart of generosity in him. God prepares works ahead of time for us to do so that he can form us and shape us and turn us into somebody that looks a little bit more like his son. And, oh, this so applies to Peter. Look at Peter, Peter. He was like a lump of clay, right? Dug out from the bank of the Sea of Galilee. He's made alive, he's made new. But then Jesus has him in the potter's wheel for three years of his ministry. The father kept spinning the wheel even though Peter kept failing over and over again because the father had prepared good works in advance for him. He prepared him to lead the church, to preach on the day of Pentecost in which 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus and became followers of Jesus, to experience miracles and to love and to value and serve people of a different race. This is Peter. Peter was raised in a culture of you've got us and you've got them, right? It's a big deal. It's the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles are unclean. And God actually called Peter to say, nope, they are not there to receive me just like you do. And called Peter to serve them, not just consider them equals, but to serve them, people of a different race. May that be our heart, to love, to serve. The distinctions all melt away in the body of Christ. So we're brothers and we're sisters and we love each other deeply, sincerely, so here he is, Peter, he's dancing on these waves of mercy and grace. He might have slipped when he walked out of the boat, but now he's dancing in the waves. 
Peter became a masterpiece. So I want you to apply this to yourself. Why did the Father call you out? Why did he ever do that? He did it because he loves you. I mean, have you, have you ever looked up at night and just looked at the stars? Like, no particular reason, you're just like, oh, I can see stars tonight, it's really beautiful. It's pretty cool. The whole universe in its incomprehensible vastness, right? I mean, there's stuff out there. I, I used to want to be an astronomer when I was a kid after I wanted to be an archaeologist. I know. So then I found out there was math involved and I didn't want to be an astronomer anymore. But I used to love reading about the quasars and the pulsars and the black holes. And there's billions of trillions of stars and galaxies all over the place and stuff that astronomers still don't understand, like dark energy. We don't know. All we know is vast and it's amazing. God has purposes for it, but one of the main purposes for creating all of that vastness is for the enjoyment of his children and the remembrance of his name. That he would create that kind of a nursery for his children, billions of light years in, in size, just as a nursery for his children, it's astounding because he chases us down. He calls us into his arms. He fashions us into new creatures who dance with him on waves of grace. And as he forms us into good children who are gonna walk out the plans that he has for us, every time we look up at the stars, we're reminded of him, of his name, of his love for us. So we're going to, we're gonna share a song with you. And as we do, this is what I invite you to do. Just close your eyes. Receive the words from the Father to you. As many of the things that we've shared in this message are in this song, I just want you to receive his love for a moment. I'll be back with you. I'm standing at your door My heart is calling yours Come fall into my heart You're weary from it all Been running for too long I'm here to bring you home I'm reaching out
much better at love than we are. He's so much better. I can love somebody with all my heart, but I won't chase them because I don't want to offend anybody, but God, he never gives up. He's so relentless chasing us because he loves us so much. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around for a moment. I think that there may be a couple of different folks in here that God may be speaking to. I think there are those in this room you love God. You know that he loves you. You've given your heart to Jesus. But maybe it's time to see him as the father that he truly is. To stop running, fall into his embrace. Maybe doing things his way instead of yours and he's calling you to that gently 
He's standing at the door of your heart. He's knocking. He wants to dine with you and you with him. You enter into his beautiful plans. I also think there are those in this room that you have never had that relationship with God. You've never fully experienced forgiveness and new life that is in Jesus. That's not something you earn or work for or be good enough for. It's a free gift. That's what grace is. It's undeserved, unmerited favor. And he offers it to you. That's why the Father sent Jesus to take the punishment on your behalf for your wrongdoings, to pay the debt that you owe. You're clear. Just receive the gift. And if that's you today, everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If that's you today, and you say, yes, I, I would like you, Pastor Tim, to keep me in your prayers because I would like to receive that gift and have that relationship with Jesus. In a moment, I'll just ask you to raise your hand, and as soon as I see you, you can put it right back down. It's just me, you, and God that are looking here. And then I will pray for you today, tonight, before I go to bed, I will. So if you'd like prayer for that, count to three. One, two, three. Just slip your hand right up in the air. Thank you. I see your hand and yours and yours. Yes, and yours and yours and yours. I'm in the middle section. You can put it down as soon as I see it. And I'm off to the left. And yours. Yes, I see your hand and yours and yours. Thank you. And yours. Anyone else? I'll give you just a moment. This is an important moment. You can lift your hand. Thank you. Yes. For the sake of all those that lifted their hands, would you say a prayer together with me? And those of you that raised your hands and you're saying this prayer for the first time, meaning it in your heart, God always answers yes to this prayer when it is intended. When you finish this prayer, you go from being a beautiful creation of God to a child of God. A new life is here for you. Would you repeat after me, everyone in this room, dear Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I recognize that I'm a sinner, but you sent your son to die for me. I receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can we just give God the glory for what he's doing in this place? I'd like you to stand with me now to receive a blessing. In a moment, you're gonna be leaving. I wanna remind you that, you know, I wanna say a blessing over your finances. As you're leaving, I know some of you are getting ready to give and the offering, the ushers are standing at the doors, but, but I'd like to give you something. It's a blessing of your finances, and then I'd like to bless you in general. Father, I pray a blessing right now upon each and every person in this room on their finances, whatever they're going through. Businesses suffering, layoffs. Father, that your blessing would supersede all of that. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. And I speak a blessing over your life of God's favor that he has called you. Upon the creating that he is doing and the fashioning that he is doing on your life, that would be blessed. 
and the forming that he is doing in your heart, that it would be blessed. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed today's service. Hey, if you made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. That is the best decision you will ever make. We've got some great content for you on our app. We'd love to pray with you and talk to you about this decision and partner with you on this journey. Through this week on Tuesday and Thursday, we've got some content going up for you to enjoy throughout the week. And if not, we will see you back here next Sunday. Love you, church.